Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. There are some things that are so baked into our culture that they can feel scary to even talk about. But we wouldn't be honest women if we weren't bold enough to talk about those things. Today, we explore the wine mom culture, where it came from, how it impacts us, and where it might not be serving us. You're listening to Honest Women, the podcast for every woman who's trying to juggle the relationships, roles, and responsibilities that come with modern womanhood and finding it all just a little harder than she thought it would be. We're your hosts, Andrea Berkeley and Jessica Hutchison, your new besties who just happen to be therapists. And while we believe that life is hard and there's no tip or trick that will solve that, it does get just a little bit easier when we can be real with each other and talk about it honestly. You're listening to Honest Women. Hey, Jess. Hey, Andrea. How are you? I'm nervous. I know you are. I am nervous to talk about this topic. It's a big one. (sighs) The conversation around alcohol is always a loaded one. It's a big part of American culture. And then narrowing in on women and alcohol I just know that there were times in my life where, by times in my life, I mean like all of the times mm-hmm. until the last year or two, where I would not have wanted to have this conversation or hear it. Oh, for sure. Well, I think it's a hard topic. I also think it is a difficult one to broach because I am super against being preachy. And right. so navigating a hard conversation without being clinical as therapist or preachy can also be hard. And to just show up as a human, as people and our listeners know, it isn't always easy to be vulnerable to an audience. Yes. So maybe we can put our listeners at ease. We are not going to have a prescriptive conversation about Uh, women and alcohol. Nope, nope, nope. No. We're not going to tell you what to do. No. We'll talk to you a little bit about where we both stand and how we both are. And nobody here is saying this is the right thing to do. This is the wrong thing to do. So hopefully that puts everyone at ease. I want to just really quickly, because it does kind of go around alcohol, update because I have gotten a lot of people asking me if I wore the dress I got stuck in. (laughs) Did you? I I did not. Here's why. Okay. So no, it is still hanging in my closet with the tag. Not because I didn't want to wear it or thought I couldn't maybe just be stuck in it for a night, but because we backed out of the party that I was going to wear it at. So the reason I want to, one, just update people because I've had multiple people ask me that, which is really funny and makes me feel happy because they're avid listeners. But two, why I want to lead with that story really quick is that single-handedly, the one reason we backed out was because of drinking. Mm. I did not want to go stay up late, potentially overconsume, yep. feel horrible the next day. I knew my immune system would be shut down. So right. I wanted to update the listeners, but also I wanted to lead into alcohol was a big part of my decision not to go. Right. 
Oh my gosh, Jess, I'm so glad that you shared that. I know that earlier in my life, in my 20s and even in my 30s, it was like, what are we drinking? But as we get a little bit older, and I swear that there's something physiological to this. In fact, I know that there is. I listen to some podcasts with experts. You know that's not this podcast, but there are some. I'm going to link to them in the show notes where the experts were talking about how alcohol impacts us differently over the course of our life. But there's just a sense that I don't know how drinks are going to hit me anymore. Whereas before, I could just drink as much as I wanted, basically. And then I had one line, which was wickedly hungover, was bad, and anything else was fine. Now it's like, I don't know. I might have a drink or two and feel horrible. Or I might feel fine, but I know that I'm mean. I'm short-tempered. Me too. I don't sleep well. I'm pointing to myself. You can't see it, Andrea can. I'm pointing to myself as she says that. Yes. I notice that I am not myself. Even if I've had a small amount of alcohol, And I find that I'm doing the same thing where in my 40s, where I should be more comfortable and confident than ever, and I am in every other decision that I make, I feel nervous about this one. Sometimes I would rather not go to something where I know there's going to be drinking or heavy drinking. And that's not because other people are drinking. That's because I'm an idiot sometimes. And I just, I don't know how to say I'm not drinking tonight, or I don't know how to hide it better, or I'm not really a good moderation gal. I'm a lot better at it than I used to be, but usually one glass leads to two and two glasses could put me on my ass. Totally. I'm very similar when you, as you're talking about your, you know, just relationship or experience with alcohol. One thing that I have learned, I have never had a good tolerance. I thought I had a good tolerance, but I never have. Now, what I've learned through my own health stuff, which I've talked about on here, all of the functional medicine work I have done I learned that my body does not detox well. Mm. It does not mm-hmm. process things. So if mm-hmm. I were to take, you know, an Advil, I take a tiny dose because it hits me differently mm-hmm. than somebody else. Yep. And because of my inability to detox, I would go from zero to 100 way quicker than anybody else. And I've learned, because people will say to me all the time, oh, well, you're small. You're, you're small weight-wise. That's yeah. why. No, no, no. I was much heavier in my 20s and did not have a better tolerance. It was my body's inability to detox, which makes it hard. I also am like you, Andrea, where I'm as much as I hate to say I'm an all or nothing, I'm kind of can be all or nothing with things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So somebody sent me a text message yesterday and asked me if I tried these sugar cookies. I told him no, because I am terrified that if I try the sugar cookie before I'm serving them, I'm going to eat the whole bag. Mm-hmm. zero ability to stop. Yeah, pedal to the metal, baby, which is great in so many areas. But in this one, it's iffy. Not so good. Yeah, and it's just a skill in this area of my life that I didn't even attempt to create until recently. So we decided to cover this topic knowing that it was loaded, knowing that we had mega mixed feelings about it and tons of different experiences throughout our lives, partly because... It's dry January for a lot of people. Have you ever participated in dry January? I have. It went alongside the Whole30 when I did the Whole30. 
girl. I did dry January and I abstained from drinking. I've also done that though periodically multiple Mm -hmm. times. I started examining my relationship with alcohol probably in my 30s. I really started looking at it when I learned more about my body. So I have gone in and out of abstaining from it multiple times. I have also done it and I was so disappointed because I was like, my whole life's going to be better. I'm going to sleep better. I'm going to feel better. I'm going to get really skinny. None of that happened. Then I was like, fuck it. I'm going to drink. Give me that bottle. I've also examined my relationship with alcohol probably for the last 10 years, like same as you, on and off. And a lot of times that was motivated by shame in that moment. Mm. The times that I've really regretted drinking too much and having poor outcomes, they have come fewer and farther between. You know, it's like years and years go between those times now. Not so much like in college. That was like every weekend. I would be like, oh, because I wouldn't allow myself to go there. I just kept going. A hundred percent. Now I've had to at times go, well, that's not great. That didn't go great. Even this last year, I've had extended periods of sobriety. I would almost call myself sober curious at this point, except that I don't want any label because I don't intend to never drink again. I like literally was at the liquor store yesterday preparing for this episode. I was like, mm-hmm, I'm going to make a special cocktail or not. So I was at Binney's and I got these liquor and I bought non-alcoholic beer because I was like, which way will the wind blow? What will happen? Yes. And I then I know. asked the lady at the counter, I was like, so I'm getting this for a special cocktail. If we don't make it, can I return it? <laughs> oh my God, that is fantastic. Yeah. I was like, I don't know. I might be sober and I might not. But if I am sober, I want my money back. And she was like, yeah, as long as you don't open it. She's probably like, freak. She's like, wow, nobody's ever asked if I could return alcohol before. Right. Who goes to Binnie's asking if they could return return alcohol? Yes. That's awesome. You brought up such a good point, though, Andrea, where I didn't really think about it until you said it. Moments of curiosity have come from shame. You are spot on in that. And also leads to and explains why sometimes it wasn't a change in behavior because shame never makes us change behavior temporarily, but we always fall back into bad patterns and routines when we approach it from a place of shame. Yeah. Great point. And the thing that really has changed the way that I'm having this conversation with myself and why I feel like we can have a meaningful conversation today is that when I used to approach examining my relationship with alcohol or my drinking behavior from a place of shame, then not drinking or drinking less would mean taking on that shame identity. So I would push back against that and be like, nah, I don't want to do that because I didn't want to live as a person who stopped drinking because they decided that they were bad. Yes, I couldn't make any changes. I couldn't have any conversation. I couldn't have any examination because doing that at all made me feel like I was saying, I'm bad. I have an alcohol problem. I have to stop doing this because there's something wrong with me. And I'm not talking about like being on a bender. Just to be clear, I'm just going to defend myself a little bit. I'm just talking about the frequency of drinking in my early 30s, which was most days, not a bottle of wine, but a glass Mm. or two of wine. And then some of the party drinking intermittently, which could be, you know, and then not feeling so good. And then just, I don't know if it's, as I get older, I just feel like every day is precious. Like, am I having an existential crisis? Totally. If I wake up on a Saturday because I drink on a Friday and I feel shitty, I'm very aware of the time that I don't have that day. Absolutely. 
You know, I actually stopped drinking pretty much at home unless there was an event, right? We were hosting something. We really don't have a drink at home. Same. Yeah, because I just noticed how it made me feel and I didn't want it to be part of my every day. Yep. And that's changed. I also get a headache and a hangover from like one drink. So to be clear, if I did it, maybe that would be different. I certainly want to be clear. I'm not judging those who have a glass of wine every night. My body does not allow me to do that without feeling horrible. And I finally had to lean into that and realize that it just doesn't work for me. But other people, they can have a glass of wine, be perfectly delightful. They enjoy it. Great. Yeah, absolutely. I I lost my train of thought. (laughs) You want to drink. I'm kidding. (laughs) Sorry, I'm hungover. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not. God. Judgers. Um, <laughs> that was so great. I know. I'm keeping that in the episode, by the Please way. Please do. I actually stopped drinking regularly. Again, I just like put myself out there, man, pretty much only because I learned that alcohol interrupts your metabolism. And since I'm always trying to work on my body, <laughs> God, I feel so embarrassed and I'm saying this over and over. But whatever, man. I know there's people out but there who are being honest. Way. I, yeah, much to my dismay sometimes, because I'm always trying to work on my body. I started to go, well, if this is true, and like I kind of think it is, actually, this is what I said. If this is true, and I kind of think it is, I should drink much less frequently, like almost never, but I should drink more. (laughs) That one night I do, I balls to the wall. Listen, this is why this is not an instructive show. No, nobody should should follow this lead. And now I'm like, God, if I don't drink very frequently and I do drink more than a drink or two, I end up feeling shitty. So which is back to myself in your corner. But you're right with the weight. I will tell you, I weigh like a solid five to seven pounds more in the summer than the winter because I tend to have a beverage more in the summertime because we're just outside more. We're in social settings a lot more, not home as much. Yeah. Tend to have more drinks during the summer than the winter. And I I looked at it today. I'm like, wow, I truly believe it's not necessarily weight. It's inflammation for me because I just inflame so easily in my body. Five to seven pounds less in the winter. Is that not wild? Girl, Yes. Also, I just wish that would happen for me, but opposite. (laughs) It just doesn't. Hey, to be fair, it took me like years to figure out how my body worked and to stop holding on to so much inflammation. I feel like I'm going to be the girl that everybody hates thinking that I've always like been like, oh, it's so easy. Right. No, no, no. If I posted a picture of what I looked like before I figured out my body – you wouldn't even recognize me. I am so inflamed. I get it, girl. And I do feel like that's another thing that my 40s and really like the end of my 30s has brought me a long path to trying to figure out my body. And there's the actual work of figuring that out. And then there's the emotional work of all of these things that we feel tied to, all of these things that we believe about ourselves, that we've believed about our habits, things that we are emotionally tied to. And one of those things sometimes is alcohol. 
Hey there, fabulous ladies, ready to kick mealtime chaos to the curb? Say hello to your best friend, Factor Meals. No more scrambling for breakfast, lunch, or dinner. Just grab a gourmet dish from the fridge and bam, you're good to go. And let's not forget about the smoothies. My son can't get enough. They're not just healthy, they're a taste sensation. You'll fall head over heels for Factor Meals, just like I did. With Factor, you can rock your busy schedule without sacrificing flavor or nutrition. Whether you want six meals or 18 meals a week, it's all up to you. Plus, you can hit the pause button or mix up your deliveries whenever life throws you a curveball. Say goodbye to mealtime madness and hello to hassle-free eating with Factor Meals. Head to factormeals.com slash jessica50 and use code jessica50 to get 50% off. That's code jessica50 at factormeals.com slash jessica50 to get 50% off. So before we jump into health and, you know, all that stuff, can we talk about something that made me really mad and also very spicy when I was researching for this episode? Obviously. My heart rate just went up a little bit. I know. spicy. Okay. So the fact that dry January is a thing, I think, is because the other 11 months of the year, we are fed a steady diet of mommy wine culture. Oh, heck yeah. How many memes? A thousand billion. Oh, and I use them all the time. I literally probably used one this morning. Even though I'd be laid out on the floor if I actually did what my meme that I sent did. Right, right, (laughs) right. Not okay. Yeah, the memes, the the little – I mean, you walk into a friggin' Hobby Lobby and next to the pumpkin spice sign in the fall, it's like pumpkin spice and more wine. There are baby onesies that say, mommy drinks because of me. Oh my God, I I didn't – yes, you're right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The 2010s-ish is when this started to take off in popular culture, really on social media. And I think that in some ways, this was meant to be not just funny, because I think it's funny, but also a little bit empowering. Like, I am not just a mom. I'm also a woman. My life is hard. And I also think it was a rejection of traditional 1950s housewife who was just bringing her husband a cocktail after he walked in the door from work. It's like, you know, alcohol. Not just for men anymore. Mm -hmm. The whole marketing piece of it, here is the message that I see. It's an escape. Have this to feel better. Have this to escape reality. Have this to take the edge off. It creates Mm -hmm. this belief that you will feel happier and be better and be taken out of your every day with this cocktail. A hundred percent. And this has not been the first time that women have been sold a substance to deal with their lives. We're going to nerd out for a minute. Let's nerd. Let's tell the people what we learned. Let's go all the way back. You mentioned the 1950s. So let's go back to that time frame after World War II. So during World War II, women went into the workforce. They had jobs out in the world and they got to experience that. And then their husbands came home and they were like, I want my job back. And women went from that experience to that submissive experience because that's what it was in the 1950s. You stay home. You take care of the home and our children. You have no financial independence. You have no say. And you take care of me. And so Mm -hmm. instead of it being like, wow, this is a massive social change. Women are understandably upset or dealing with that, you know, shift or whatever. 
Chemists and doctors and marketers found a different way to deal with women's unhappiness, Valium. At one point, one-fifth of American women were taking Valium. One Valium ad boasted that there was this woman named Sally Wilson who just a week of taking that drug four times a day became less tense. She was more friendly and cheerful. She wanted to be part of the world and the world wanted to be part of hers. So the messaging essentially was, here is something, this happened to be Valium at the time, but the marketing has been consistent decade after decade, dating all the way back to when we were looking at the 1950s. Here is something that will make you better, help you be more productive, Mm -hmm. friendly. People want to be around you. So essentially, it's telling you, here, have this and everything's going to get better in life. Absolutely. Including you. Yes. Yes. And the problem is you. Yeah. You're the problem. This was an option for sexist doctors to deal with these women who they felt were making annoying complaints about things that were all in their heads. Please stop annoying me. Here's a Valium. Take them four times a day. Can you? Oh my gosh. 20% of women taking Valium? Four times a day. How were they? Of course they were pleasant. They were high. (laughs) I didn't know this for most of my life. This gives me such a different view. I sometimes look back and romanticize the 1950s, partly because I had this impression that women were so happy. That Hmm. everyone was doing the same thing, staying home with their children in their houses. They all looked the same, serving the dinner, and that they were happy. Now I just know they were fucking high. They were high. And then then we go right into the 1960s where then everybody was high. I mean, look at it. Right. And Which is interesting because if we look at it from that historical lens, it is when women stepped out of line, Mm -hmm. when women stepped out of the rules that society told them. Now, consistently, we're sitting here in 2024 and the exact same marketing Mm -hmm. is still happening. Okay, so the marketing of these things says, if you do this, you're going to feel better. To be fair, maybe drinking feels good. Alcohol can be extremely soothing. It mimics the effect of a relaxing brain chemical called GABA. We do get a rush of dopamine when we drink. It does take the edge off, but it comes with a dark side. And again, we are not a health podcast. This is not medical advice. I don't even want to talk about this anymore. Wait, but can I say one thing before we don't talk yeah, I'm about ready. it anymore? Here's the one thing, because I do talk about this inside my office and everybody says thank you. I had no idea. Why don't they teach us this? The yeah. one difference between alcohol and any other drug out there is yes, it does give you a release of dopamine, but then your brain reabsorbs it. And yes, stop producing dopamine. It is the only drug that does that to you, hence why it's a depressant. So mm-hmm. if somebody is chronically drinking, you're not going to get dopamine anymore. Also, mm. yes, also with alcohol, the thought of it. So think back to like college when it was, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, I'm so excited for Friday night. There's this party and we're right. going to get wasted. That would release dopamine. Again, the only drug that you get dopamine thinking about an activity around it, which Mm -hmm. can create this false sense of security, like, oh my God, it's going to be so fun. And it's like your brain being tricked. It's fascinating. It is fascinating. That's all I'm going to say. I'm done. I loved it. Okay. I mean, I I guess I can say, to be fair, we used to actually be told that alcohol was good for you. Remember when it was like not that long ago that they were like, everyone should drink a glass of red wine a day. 
it has restorol or whatever it is, is a health food. It's not. Every couple of years, this is studied and new guidelines come out. And I'm sure if you've seen them, the guidelines get lower and lower and lower. Canada actually came out this last year and said there is no amount of alcohol that's safe. No one should drink it. Oh, jeez. Give me a break. Well, it's Canada. They do what they yeah, want. Yeah, good point. I seem pretty happy up there. But we know now that alcohol isn't, it's not good for you. Come on. It's carcinogenic. It's the same class of carcinogen that asbestos is and tobacco. It's not good for you. No, it's not. We know it's that. It's not great. It's not like, you know, going outside to your garden and getting a fresh salad. Like, that's good for you. But right. it doesn't mean you have to abstain from it completely. No, it like doesn't mean potato you have to abstain. Chips. But let's just like not mince words. You know, it increases your cancer risk. It increases mood problems. It interrupts your gut. It eats your dopamine. Yes, it changes your skin. Every part of our body is impacted by it. It bloats you. Oh, Oh, yeah. It gives you GI problems. Listen, we all know this. Come on. So we don't have to talk about it. I will link some resources here in the show notes because this is not the point. But the point was it makes you feel good, but we all know it's not good. Come on. Let's just be honest. And here's the other thing. Just like we've been talking about up until this point, it has been well studied and proven that women, to a greater extent than men, tend to drink to cope with stress and, Mm. quote, negative feelings. And I think about, Jess, you mentioned this sense of getting dopamine from thinking about alcohol. I can totally relate to that. I can totally relate to that. Those days I was home with my little kids and again, low levels of drinking. But just do you remember thinking about, oh my God, I cannot wait until it's five or four, mm-hmm. you know? I think it got earlier and earlier. Right. I cannot wait until the point where I can have a drink and I can be a human and and it was literally releasing dopamine. Yes, it was. Do you remember the euphoric feeling too when it was- Remember my husband traveling when our oldest mm. was a baby? And mm. when he was traveling, I, I mean, I actually remember sitting there thinking about putting the baby down and having wine, just sitting mm. on the couch. And I, I mean, I feel like I, I dopamine is being released as I even think about how much. Right. We're both going to need a drink after I this. <laughs> I'll just drink more <laughs> coffee. Again, another problem. <laughs> right. Right. Well, you mentioned isolation, Jess. This is one of those things. In a way, there's like a Fievel goes west phenomenon. Do you remember somewhere out there? Do you know that I, okay, quick story, even though it's irrelevant, but it reminds me, I actually used to sing it to people in the mall when I was a kid. Not even kidding you. Like at department stores, clearly, you know, I was super shy and hated attention. And I would sing it. I would walk with my dad and shop and sing somewhere out there. And people would be like, oh my God, you're so great. I've been seeking dopamine since I was a baby. (laughs) That is so funny. No, I'm thinking about that sense of, I mean, we really do feel a sense of solidarity. How many times have we taken a picture of ourselves with a glass of wine, sent it to a friend, like thinking of you, today was shitty, thank God it's five. And we almost create a sense of community, even though we have no more community. Right. And that's exactly what we're, I mean, we're looking at is instead of examining some of the reasons that women more than men tend to drink to cope with stress and negative feelings like mm-hmm. no breaks, right? That was yes. one thing we both experienced when we stayed at home. There were no breaks. 
you are on 24-7. A lot of women are home because they have to be. They cannot afford childcare right. in this country. And mm-hmm. as somebody who pays for childcare, it is not cheap. Mm-mm. They're COVID. Ah! Right. And if we oh even – I COVID. Hmm. COVID. And the COVID lockdowns. And I don't even think we need to say more – Right. Because stats, Except driveway parties. Do you remember do, the driveway parties? Absolutely. Do I remember the driveway parties? Yeah, it was like parties? we can't see anybody, so we'll just walk to the end of our driveway with alcohol. It was always around alcohol. You know, mm-hmm. just the consuming job of being a modern-day parent in our right. society, the stress that right. comes along with it. Why talk about those? Just pour a big glass right. of wine and just forget about it. I just like us to think if we didn't. If we didn't pour that glass of wine at the end of the day, what would we be dealing with? And I think we'd be dealing with a lot of women who are going, this isn't working for me. Yes, girl. Right? Preach. This isn't working for me. It's not working for me in our home. It's not working for me in our smaller community. It's not working for me on like a national level. We're facing problems in our own little world, but we're also facing problems that are so big. Like I have no support or I don't get a good maternity leave or my work-life balance, whatever that is, it's not sustainable. Or like you said, there's no affordable childcare. Well, what am I going to do about that? Be mad? No. I'm going to have a glass of Cabernet. What I think we're trying to say is decade after decade after decade, we have avoided hard conversations or honest conversations about the struggles that women go through and the amount of stress that fall upon them. And we continue to market a product And in this episode, we're specifically talking about alcohol to just make it go away. Right. And make women be quiet. Shut up. Right. If you know Jessica and I, we do not like that idea. So bringing us back to the beginning of this conversation, tackling a subject like this is tricky. We never want to tell people what to do. That's just not our vibe. But we do like to examine things like our relationship with alcohol because it's not as straightforward as we've been led to believe. We know we have women who are listening to this episode while drinking a glass of wine. And cheers to you, friends. And we have others that can't remember the last time you had a drink. And then there are those of you who are like us, especially after this conversation, sending a please send wine meme to your bestie at the end of a long day while wondering, is that really what I need? And is that really the best that women can get? No matter what your relationship is with alcohol, We're glad that you're still here with us, thoughtful and honest and awkward and mindful. And we'd love to hear what you think about this episode and any other ideas for tricky subjects you'd like us to dive into this year. All of our contact information is in the show notes. Can't wait to hear from you. You've just finished an episode of the Honest Women Podcast. We are so honored that you would spend this time with us. We have so much more where this came from and don't want you to miss a minute. So please, right now, take a second to follow the show. While you're there, leave us a five-star rating and a review. It's the best way to help other women find our show so they can join the conversation. And if you have a friend who could use a little more honesty in her life, and who couldn't, send this episode directly to her. Actually, send this episode to anyone you want to. Everyone's welcome here. We'll be back next Wednesday speaking some truth and feeling some feels. Until then, hang in there, ladies. This has been Honest Women.